So would you uh, would you do it? Would you say Candyman five times and then turn off the light in the bathroom? I have done the Bloody Mary one in my house when I was a kid. Did anything happen? Nothing did happen. That's sad. Um, but uh, nothing did happen. But I will say that I did it with a girlfriend, and we we were giggling until we said the fifth Bloody Mary, and then we were like, you know, it's so like we've gone too far. What have we done? Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, which meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror section of our local video store in our quest to survive and to ensure we end up as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking them down one by one, geeking out about all of the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. That's it. This is episode seven. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Candyman, uh, which came out uh, in 1992, and this episode is titled, The Pain Will Be Exquisite. Yeah, it will. Mm -hmm. We are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording at the circus, Horror Movie Survival Guide is a podcast where Marion and I uh, revisit our horror movie notebook from college, watching where we watched every horror movie in the horror section of our local video store and logged them in our notebook. Mm-hmm. In our quest to try and learn how to survive horror movies and how to end up as a final girl. Yeah, we want to survive. Yeah, definitely into survival. Uh, so uh, Candyman, is, uh, it came out in 1992, mm-hmm. is based on a Clive Barker short story called The Forbidden, mm-hmm. which is in a larger collection of horror shorts, uh, including Rawhead Bex mm-hmm. is in that as well, which is also a horror movie that we may talk about later. Yeah, well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, and it was written and directed by um, Bernard Rose, uh, who adapted, uh, orig- the original story takes place in England, um, and he adapted it to take place in Chicago. Um, and in the, in the early '90s, rather than I think it, Clive Barker's one was set in like the '80s or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, set in Chicago, uh, so there's an actual project in Chicago called Cabrini Green, which they used in the film and actually shot at this uh, location, mm-hmm. uh, where they decided to just take the gang members and put them in the movie mm-hmm. as gang members. So. Yeah. So like, well, let us let us shoot here, and we can put you in the movie. All right, right. right. I can do that. That's Um, how you do it. Yeah, so the movie um, is uh, about a grad student played by Virginia Madsen, who's Helen, um, and she is researching um, with her uh, best friend, uh, Cassie Lemons, um, who uh, is researching uh, sort of the myth and mythology of the origins of Candyman, of that story, which is kind of um, similar to Bloody Mary in kind of a a way, in in the sense, in the way that uh, if you say, in this case, his name, Five times in a mirror, and then turn off the lights. Candyman appears behind you and kills you. That's right. And the uh, the opening scene, we have uh, oh. you're not really sure. You have a voiceover, and you're not sure who's telling the story. And it's uh, some uh, a student telling the story to Virginia Madsen, in, in which a a big woman is babysitting, and mm-hmm. a guy comes over, and they're gonna. Eh, but first, you're gonna call Candyman. And we were very excited because the bad boy who comes with a leather jacket. In like the motorcycle jacket. It's Ted Raimi. It's totally Ted Raimi. And we're like, yeah, Ted Raimi. We were just like, what? Where she's like, he's coming over tonight. And the door opens and it's Ted Raimi, like looking all badass. And we're like, that is superb. Like I am way into Good that. Good job, Bernard Rose, casting well, Ted Raimi. Well done. Yeah, no, I, I was very excited about that. 
Um, so yeah, so basically, um, she just kind of becomes obsessed with the idea and goes to Cabrini Green with Cassie Lemons to kind of figure out, you know, the origins of it and who believes in it. And a woman was actually murdered in Cabrini Green, um, seemingly by herself with no one else in the room. So they decide to go and to go into that apartment, um, and kind of check out. And it is, it's pretty scary. Like it is... There's graffiti all over the place. Like it is not, it is not a place that anyone would be keen on living in. No, you don't want to be. You don't want to be living there. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Candyman's uh, tagline, which is "Sweets to the sweet," mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome because it's from Hamlet. So mm-hmm. yay, Hamlet! Yeah, Hamlet coming back around again. It does. It does come around a we lot. We had a bit. Movies. We had a Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's, I feel like we keep we keep coming come around to that. A surprising, um, a surprising horror movie Shakespeare connection. You wouldn't think there would be one, and yet. I wonder too if there's so many like because it's like the the way in which sort of like schools either colleges or high schools are constantly incorporated into horror movies that it's like a thing where they're like uh, schools education uh, and it's always like English class right, right. like with, with very few exceptions they're not like really in like the math or science class it's always like the relevant English class mm-hmm. and so I guess of course it's going to be Hamlet I guess yeah it's like the go to like what else are they teaching in English high schools you know <laughs> that's Hamlet. it that's it uh, it's cool because they you have. Um, a movie set in in the projects, which mm-hmm. is and which was actually set, which actually was shot in the projects, mm-hmm. which is which is great. And there's a lot of uh, racial elements to this film, and a lot of the, you know, the the people who are being killed are black people, and nobody's really paying attention, and mm-hmm. the cops aren't really helping. And then once Virginia Madsen and a white lady gets involved, then it starts to get right. more mm-hmm. attention. Um, so we have. Um, Candyman, who is an urban legend. Yeah. Um, the urban legend is that she, he was a the son of a slave mm-hmm. who was very well spoken and very well educated and a great artist. And, and was, he came into his own. He came into his own money. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so he was uh, he was hired to paint the portrait of the virginal beauty of a, of a gentleman, which of course uh, he then got pregnant. And the father of the woman uh, decided to take him down in a pretty brutal way. Mm -hmm. So his hand was chopped off and a hook was shoved into the stump. And they have so many shots of that stump hook. They're really like, hey guys, stump hook. Stump hook. In case you didn't notice. You know what's scary? Stump hook. (laughs) Very scary. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. So, you know, you get your hand cut off off, and then a stump hook. And then... He uh, was stripped naked. Slathered in honey. And Mm -hmm. then angry bees were set upon him. Right. And then as the bees stung him to death, apparently the crowd chanted, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We were just more like, Honey Man? Bee Man? Sweet Man? Like, you know? But I mean, I understand if, like, your big bad is named Honey Man. Like, maybe that's not Not so scary. scary. Not so scary. And Candyman shouldn't be a scary name, but Clive Barker, of course, makes it a scary name. It is definitely a scary name. And it's cool because, obviously, this is, uh, as far as we can really tell, one of the only black villains Mm -hmm. in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. But he's so... Tony Todd, who plays Candyman, is so well-spoken and eloquent and he has this beautiful voice and he's mm-hmm. very handsome and he's wearing this very sharp fur-lined coat yeah. and just looks very really... Dapper, yeah. He's very dapper and yeah. very, very seductive. Definitely. Which we think, which, you know, the more Julie and I were kind of thinking about this movie, the parallels between this movie, whether intentional or no, to Dracula are really interesting because, again, you have this very... Your villain who is very seductive and is kind of seducing... Uh, the main female interest who's, you know, sort of with somebody else. And uh, in this movie, um, Virginia Madsen's married to Xander Berkeley, who's her husband. <laughs> who's, you can tell from shot one, is just bad the news. Worst, yeah. Um, uh, the character, that is. And, uh, and yeah, he spends, 
it's one of those horror movies where, again, sort of sort of akin to Dracula, where it's less about I'm the bad thing and I'm just going to run around trying to kill you. Like, he's definitely trying to kill her, but he really wants her to want it. Like, he, like this is where the seductive element comes into it, where my, uh, my favorite quote from this uh, movie is uh, he tells her a few times to be my victim. Like, be my victim, be my victim, where he's trying to really, like, seduce her into it rather than just come up behind her and, like, hook in the face, you know? It's, and it, it's, a really, it's a really nice, refreshing change from you have your Freddies or your, or your Jasons or mm-hmm. your Michaels or whatever who are just these kind of uh, just hardcore killers. But this is somebody who is wanting you to want to be killed mm-hmm. and, and really using his own personality and his, his drive to, to seduce you into mm-hmm. it. So I think, you know, using that element of seduction as, as death yeah. in a way. And also too, having the fact that like he, Candyman became Candyman because the way in which he died was terrible and like, you know, obviously completely unwarranted. It wasn't like he was a bad guy in real life. It was just that, you know, like he was in love with someone during the wrong time period. And so, but that's what caused his death. And his character sort of talks a lot about how he doesn't want to be forgotten. Like, he didn't want to, you know, does not want to go gently into that good night. And so he really, um, he says, like, you know, I'm sort of the whisper on the street. Well, that's so my no favorite way. quote. Don't ruin oh, I'm sorry, sorry, quote. sorry, 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 okay. Okay, so... Well, I won't jump ahead, but... No, um, no, no, we can say it now, but, but it's but, just... The, but that element of, uh, that element of, I think, that the, the killer coming from a place that's like, he became the killer, quote-unquote, like, in it from a kind of justified place where it's just like, yes, he died in this terrible way, but also, like, he just, he doesn't want to go. Like, he doesn't want him, you know, his legacy to be that. And if this can, if this is the only way that he can be immortal, then this is the way he's going to take then it. He's fine so with that. so yeah. my favorite quote from the film, he says, uh, I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. Mm-hmm. So he's using this kind yeah. of scary urban legend type thing to facilitate the fear, and the fear is what feeds him into being this uh, supreme killer. Right. So an interesting take on the urban legend. It definitely is an interesting take. And and after Candyman was killed, his ashes were spread over Cabrini Green, which is why all these murders are starting to take place here. But yeah, like when he comes across Virginia Madsen, who definitely is struggling against him and fighting against him, and he starts often people one at a time in her life. Um, the fact that she fights so much makes him want her more, makes him want her to, he wants her to acquiesce to him. And I think that's really interesting rather than just not, rather than just like, you know, and death, you know? It's like, no, no, I, you know, this is the best for you. This is the best for me. This is the best for you. Like, you know, you should want this. And in a, in another Dracula kind of parallel is that we find out later that she actually looks like the woman that totally. he had fallen in love with mm-hmm. and impregnated in the uh, in his real life. Yeah, and the way in the sort of the way in which they sort of shoot Tony Todd and kind of portray him in this movie, there's a lot of sort of imagery of like you know him carrying Virginia Madsen up to an altar and and him kind of being behind her in a very seductive way. And Tony Todd's voice is just ama- I mean, as everyone knows, is amazing. And uh, yeah, they really kind of exploit that sort of empathetic killer kind of thing, even though he is totally terrifying and yeah. like the hook. No good. Not um, only the hook, we also got some bees going on in this movie. Yeah. So uh, this movie wins for most terrifying use of bees uh, because mm-hmm. not only do we have bees all over people's faces and mm-hmm. uh, on coming out of the rib cages and whatnot, we have the iconic shot of Tony Todd opening his mouth with bees inside. Uh-huh. So 
Tony Todd actually just put a bunch of bees in his mouth. Yeah, they really they had a bee guy. A uh, bee guy. An apiarist. Yes. Oh, thank you for the technical name. Yes. Um, and uh, I know all the bee guys are like, bee guy, what are you girls talking about? Um, <laughs> an apiarist um, who bred a bunch of bees for this movie particularly, like in order to do the stunt work and then the bees were asked for. The bee stunts. So they, they put, I guess we read, they put like a, a, like a kind of a cup or something so they wouldn't go down his throat and then put a bunch of bees in his mouth, had him close his mouth, and then he opened it. And was stung. Like several times. Several times. In yeah. his mouth. In his mouth. And then they also, there's a, a great shot too where um, he pours a bunch of bees all over Virginia Madsen who is super allergic to bees um, and they poured all the, and they had like, you know, sort of EMT standing by or whatever. And they pour all these beads, all these beads all over her face. And it's just like, that's dedication. That's a big ass. Would you do it? <sighs> Did they say if the bees had stingers? They all had stingers, so right? They said that if you, hypothetically. Oh, they were kind of like drugged or whatever. No, right? they said if you were, if you were a newborn bee, look exactly like an adult bee. Right. But within the first 24 hours, they can't sting. Right. Okay. So they had to like breed new batches of bees for every day. Okay. And then hypothetically, they wouldn't sting you even though they totally stung them. Okay, gotcha. So yes, you will get stung. I mean, it did look a pretty cool shot. It was a great shot. It was a pretty cool shot. I don't know if I would have them in my mouth. That's going a little far. But mm-hmm. if they were, like, on my face, I might be okay with that. I would yeah. rather have bees than spiders. I think it depends on the spider, though. Mm-mm. No yeah. spiders, please. Really? No spiders? Yeah. I think for me, it depends on the spider. Because bees have, like, a bit of a cute factor. But kind of... They are a little cute. Really, the stinger is the only thing that makes them not cute. The rest mm-hmm. of it's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, the stinging and the swelling and the... Well, this is a movie that asks a lot of its actors. So yeah. not only does Virginia Madsen uh, get covered in bees, but it's also set on fire. Definitely. Um, and it's clearly Virginia Madsen on fire, uh-huh. which is which is pretty great. I think I would be really excited if they were going to set me on fire. I yeah. Think, I mean, I don't want to do like full like body burn, falling downstairs, something like the that. The Nightmare on Elm Street, no. fire burn, forget about it. No. Like, yeah. But, you know, a wig on my head on fire. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the, the sort of like the, the climax of this movie, because it's sort of, a, you know, basically everyone kind of gets it in Virginia Madsen's life and they think that she is the one doing this. But she's like, no, it's Candyman, da-da-da. And uh, Candyman has made a deal with her. Candyman has made a deal with her. But, of course, nobody believes her, going back to our our tried and true tropes. And Um, he he has stolen a baby, mm -hmm. and there is a baby who just lurks, like, in in the walls, kind of, for Mm -hmm. a good part of the movie. And he's he's trying to get Virginia Madsen to exchange herself for the baby. He will will save the baby if she Mm -hmm. sacrifices herself. Right. And then, of course, she decides to noble sacrifice, you know, for the baby, as you do. And uh, Candyman totally turns around on her. And instead, they're building this big pyre in Cabrini Green. And the baby is put, like, in the middle of all this wood and garbage and stuff like that uh, in the middle of it. And the pyre starts. And Virginia Madsen uh, rescues him, rescues the baby out of it. uh, But the fire is already lit. And in the meantime, she is mostly on fire when she gets the baby out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't, you know, I, I, for me, I feel like I want an honest villain. Mm-hmm. Like a villain who's just be like, I'm going to kill you now. But a villain who's like, I'll do, I'll, if you sacrifice yourself, mm-hmm. I'll save the baby. But then he's not going to save the baby. He's yeah. totally lying to you. And yeah. I'm like, that's not cool, man. Which is also interesting because you feel like, look, like, like I don't know how like killing the baby like enhances your reputation, Candyman. Like, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, you can let the baby go. Like, you have her. Like, what else? You know, I don't know, but... Maybe Candyman is more than what he is pretending to be, putting out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Suspicious. There's also this sort of, uh, there's sort of this extra ending at the end of the movie, which Julie and I were sort of waffling about on what, what we think this means. So at the very end of the film, um, Virginia Madsen is 100% like, you know, kind of burned to death saving this baby. And, uh, 
at the very end, you have somebody, you have the um, mistress of Xander Berkeley uh, in her husband in the film. Correct. Uh, uh, in the bathroom, and uh, Candyman is called, and it ends up being Virginia Madsen in a sort of like 1920s wedding. She's all, she's all burned. He says her name five times in the mirror. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, And she comes, yeah. But it seems like she has sort of become like new Candyman, and she has the power to now do what Candyman does. And, I, and I, I'm not fully clear on why that is. Like, I'm a little... Julia was thinking it might just be tacked on ending, you know, I've, extra ending, like in Nightmare on Elm Street territory. Yeah, it, it kind of... It, it sours it a little bit for me, mm-hmm. just because she's she's fought this entire movie to to prove to everybody that she's not a killer, that right. she doesn't have it in there and she could never have done this, even though everybody thinks she has. And then at the end she just is a killer. So you know, what we were basically decided is that, you know, she's been she's been trying so hard to kind of push it up push it off as much as possible. But she mm. knows that Candy Matt's gonna get her eventually. Right. So I think that once he does, she has no choice and now she seems to kind of enjoy killing. So yeah. once you've to come over to this other side, then you turn into I guess. Evil version of yourself, right? I yeah. Guess. Well, so you know, we were thinking that you know, Candy Mine might be going back more towards um, Exorcist, Jacob's Ladder territory. If it's like you know, saving your soul versus saving your body, because Virginia Madsen is our final girl, but definitely dies. But then I thought, well, you know, noble sacrifice. So like, she still bests Candyman because he's also in the pyre, and then all the everything collapses in on him. And so you think, okay, well, she died, but he died, and you know, we'll call it a day. But then, yeah, you have that last shot where. You know, she gets called, and she definitely kills Andrew Brickley and seems kind of into it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, her soul is not saved. So no, so this is I this feel like this a is, rare one. Yeah, I think this is one where it seemed like it was going to go that direction, but no, it's like she just she loses. She loses totally. Yeah, completely. Soul mm-hmm. and body. Soul gone. and body. Yeah, it's our she mess. And she just put up a really good fight. She does. Know? Yeah. Um, and I really like her in this movie. I do too. Mm-hmm. She does. I think she's great. I think Tony Todd is great. Um, they apparently, this, according to rumor, uh, mm-hmm. Bernard Rose, who directed the film, uh, took Virginia Madness to a hypnotist right. and then had the hypnotist teach him how to hypnotize her mm-hmm. and then hypnotized her on set during all of her interactions with Candyman because his idea was that the Candyman was very hypnotizing. and mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, actually, actually hypnotized her until one day she couldn't remember the filming at all of the previous day and right. was like, that's enough of that. Uh-huh. No more of that. Because the, the sequence is every time Candyman interacts um, with Virginia Madsen, they, you know, have these like kind of crazy lights on her eyes and she just fully goes into this trance where like, it's not like she sees him and screams and runs. Like she's attracted to him, like in some way. Enthralled Yeah, him. very enthralled by him, you know? So it's the thing where like he's sort of saying these things to her and she can't leave, but he's terrible. And there's this great sequence where... Um, Cassie Lemons comes over to like, you know, see how Helen's doing. And she's like on the floor being hypnotized by Candyman and she can hear her friend. She's like, run, run. And her friend's like, what? And walks in and Candyman gets her. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. The other, the other uh, kind of cool part to this uh, movie is the score is done by Philip Glass all the way through. So we were kind of wondering what part of the reason that we enjoyed this movie so much. We're like, is it the Philip Glass score? Is it because like every time they're going to and from Cabrini Green, or or there's a big reveal, or or while Tony Todd's sort of doing his seductive, it's like Philip Glass score underneath Philip Glass score, you know? And it really, I don't know, it really ups the, this movie a lot. Yeah, Bernard Rose knew what he was doing when he asked Philip Glass to do the score. Uh huh. Because uh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. A really really fantastic score. Yeah. No, it is pretty it is pretty great. 
Um, they also the the other thing that we talked about too, whereas you know there's kind of this dynamic where you know. Uh, people die in these kind of horrible places and nobody cares. Um, as soon as Virginia Madsen is accused of murdering people, they have these very, they have these these shots where like the press is all over her. The press is all over the story, all over the situation. And meanwhile, like, I don't even know how many people have been murdered in Cabrini Green and there's like nothing. She has to like kind of show up and, you know, kind of see what's going on. And they do, they do early on before we really get the Candyman reveal as you get, you know, a, there's a, a drug dealer, a drug lord yeah. who is... Who who he says he's Candyman. So yeah. like we don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe mm-hmm. he isn't. So they're uh, they. I think it's to take a kind of racial element and put it into a horror movie is mm-hmm. is rare. And mm-hmm. I think that it, they do it very well. And they acknowledge it a lot that Definitely. you know because she's a white woman and because mm-hmm. he's a black man and you know these are things that exist in real life and that people are afraid of and mm-hmm. that they're going to play on that. And I think that's a really a really cool idea. And that was the impetus of like that of the whole origin and his origin story anyway, was that same kind of dynamic basically caused his death. And so now kind of coming back into it in like, you know, the early nineties, like still a massive factor, like still a big deal. Um, so would you, uh, would you do it? Would you say Candyman five times and then turn off the light in the bathroom? I have done the Bloody Mary one in my house when I was a kid. Did anything happen? Nothing did happen. That's sad. Um, but uh, nothing did happen. But I will say that I did it with a girlfriend and we, we were giggling until we said the fifth Bloody Mary. And then we were like, oh, like, you know, it's so, like we've gone too far. What have we done? Um, I don't know now. I so my I have my Bloody Mary story mm-hmm. is um, we did it and uh, nothing happened and you know went into the other room to play or whatever and uh, the mirror that we had used to say Bloody Mary into we heard this tremendous crash uh-huh. and it fell off the wall and smashed on the floor but it fell on carpet so normally uh-huh. I mean it was like secured to the wall and then all of a sudden it was just smashed all over the floor and that had never happened before no or since no. So it was just that one time. So I'm giving Julia eyeballs right now. What? <laughs> that what? really ha- that really happened. So there's my Bloody Mary story. Um, so would you do Candyman? Mm, no. <laughs> no, I don't think I would. Because? Like, because that's just asking for it. I, that's where I'm at, too. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, it's stupid, but like, I don't like it. No. No. I, I think, no. you know, they, they make it very clear in the film that it's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And you, you probably shouldn't mess around with that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I, for some reason, I still kind of I feel like I'd be more inclined to do Bloody Mary than Candyman. There's no difference. There's no difference. I think we should do it. I think nothing's going to happen. For Candyman or for Bloody Mary? Well, we've already done Bloody Mary. <sighs> no? You won't? I mean, if this is the last podcast, guys, <laughs> just you let you know. know. You know what happened. <laughs> you know why. I blame Julia entirely. I don't know. We'll see. You might have to convince me afterwards. Candyman's pretty great, though. As all in all, it's, no. a, it's a solid film. It's, Definitely. It's a very scary film. Um, yeah, we gave it, for gore, uh, we gave it four and a half out of five, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fair, because um, there's... Do you think we should have given it a five? I feel like... No, because I feel like my fives are like reserved for like my Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. This Hellraiser. Movie is not, totally. And this movie is not that. Um, but uh, but we, I did give it a five out of five um, just as a movie um, for, you know, as a horror movie because it was awesome between the Philip Glass score and the performances and, you know, the clever idea, origin story. I was fully into it. I, I gave it a four and a half out of five. Okay. 
I don't I don't really know what was lacking for me. Okay. But apparently there was something. Something. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't I wasn't able to go to the full to the full five. Fair. Fair. But enough. I feel like if you this is a movie that you know you have your kind of shock gore moments. You mm-hmm. have. Um, the kid who gets killed in the public bathroom, which no um, we learned. So apparently Clyde yeah. Barker had a doozy of a grandmother who told him not to go into public bathrooms because there were men there waiting to castrate little boys, which is... Which were like, grandma? You like, can see why Clyde Barker turned out the way he did when you have a grandma <laughs> like that. explains everything about so Clyde he, Barker. He used that in the film. There is a shot of a horribly castrated boy. And, and actually, I think I watched this film... When I was in junior high or high school, which mm-hmm. was a terrible idea, and that's the shot that I remember of okay. being like, there's okay. so much blood, and it's just really terrifying, and kind of just like a jump cut. And I really, I remember, for me, it was the uh, psychiatrist, when she's, when he, the, psychi- uh, the psychiatrist tells her, okay, if Candyman's real, call him right now. And this movie does a lot of great scares in daytime. Like, this movie is not a thing where, like, the bad things happen at night. The majority of bad things happen in broad, broad daylight in this movie, which, again with Philip Glass score is just is amazing but he tells her to call Candyman and she does and then nothing happens and we're just looking at him looking at him and then all of a sudden like the hook comes out of the chest and moves in an upward direction and it's pretty terrifying um that really got me and right after oh, that oh yeah and then right after that so yeah Candyman does that and then it's like you know blood everywhere horrible guts blah, whatever um and then he's standing he kind of moves to the side and stands right in front of this window and they do this great practical effect where he blows backwards and smashes out of the window backwards and upright and upwards into the sky and it's all done practically and it's awesome yeah an amazing effect we're just like whoa there's a lot of uh the, there's a dog death which mm-hmm. is something that happened i know oh, we don't like that i don't like that at least it's not you know a real dog death you know we're not talking cannibal holocaust here this no. is you know this is effects but there's a lot of movie. a lot of blood a lot of gore yeah um so for the gore hounds you know you know you got your clive barker so oh, there's yeah. going to be gore involved but mm-hmm. it's also a very smart film that is not playing by normal horror movie rules totally. and kind of will take its villain and and even though he is a monster, he's not. He's mm-hmm. a, he's kind of a gentleman monster. A gentleman monster. Yeah, a gentleman who became monster. But by, by no fault of his own. By no fault of his own. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and there's just really strong performances with it, too, which, you know, I always enjoy when people take... I mean, because this premise on paper is just absurd, you know? People take it really... Like, Virginia Madsen and... Cassie Lemons, Tony Todd, Xander Berkeley, they're all fully in, and I love that. And we, that really we, we have not seen the sequels. Apparently there's... Yeah, there are two sequels. Two sequels. Um, but apparently this movie, uh, some of the other movies that we've talked about earlier have not, not done so well, um, but this movie had a budget of $8 million and made $25 million when it came out. Um, and that spawned two sequels, and yeah, like I, I get it. I mean, it's solid, but no, I have not seen the sequels, so I don't know how those hold up. I think he's in both of them. Yes. Okay. But I feel like Tony Todd probably would like to to break out of the Candyman, you uh-huh. know, and hopefully by now he has. Yeah, uh, he's he's clearly a great actor and and, uh-huh. and does a really good job with this role. Yeah, and makes it's him a, a villain role. unlike any any other. No, definitely. And I think that's you know if you if you're sort of this sort of big, tall, imposing guy with a hook for a hand, you wouldn't think sympathy or empathy would be sort of the main adjectives I would use to describe you. And you, I feel like you do kind of feel for Candyman, you know. Oh, poor Candyman. Poor Candyman. Poor Candyman. It's okay. He gets his he gets his bride. <laughs> he does. He does. So is the second one called Bride of Candyman? Because that's where I would think. It's not. It's like, you know, Farewell to the Flesh or just something. Like, it, it, I think it literally it is, it is something like that, you know? If you're like, you're right, you know? Um, I'm like, does he just keep getting more brides? Like, I don't know. I don't know. We probably should see these movies. You could have a harem. I know. A Candyman harem. harem. Hand, Candyman brides. 
Uh, um, so you can watch uh, Candyman on Google Play and Amazon if that's your if that's your style. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're it? Obviously, uh, DVD, mm-hmm. VHS. I'm always going to plug the no VHS. pressure, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. Um, and uh, we are uh, we are on all of your social media networks. You can find us on Twitter at we are letter R into mm-hmm. survival, mm-hmm. or on Facebook as Horror Movie Survival Guide, Instagram mm-hmm. as Horror Movie Survival Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also you know find Marion and I separately if you have any any questions. We mm-hmm. are always always into answering gore horror related questions or having things explained to us things that i'm like what the what like you have answers i'm down yeah if you say something like why don't they know that then tell us because we'd like to know that definitely um Uh. and also we are uh we are on itunes which maybe they know because they're listening to us on itunes but um if you like what you are listening to um subscribe review comment rate rate, all those things um would, would be very much appreciated uh thank you for listening to this week next week we will be talking about Cutting class. Which I'm sure you're like, what is that? We are really excited. We really like cutting class. No, cutting cutting classes is, is pretty great. So we'll see you then, guys. Great to survive.